Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Hi Olivia and hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni and I'm the founder and editor of Polyester Online and Imprint. And I'm Olivia, the co-host, producer and editor of the podcast. We publish weekly episodes with the sleepover club one week and obsessions the next. This week it's the obsessions episode where we talk to a person we admire about something they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income. And next week is the sleepover club where Ioni and I have all those gorge conversations you'd usually have at a sleepover with your gale mate. Yay, I'm so pleased to be putting out this obsessions, and I feel like it also complements really well the Skin Urine episode we have Thursday, so I'm very excited for this week's podcasts in general. Oh yeah, this week is like really intensely deconstructing the internet in a good way, in a nice way. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So this week on Obsessions, we're going to keep the intro short and sweet because it runs a bit long, but we are speaking to Dorian Electra, who you may remember if you have been following polyester for a while, you may remember them from our non-threatening boys scene, which we featured them in. I've known Dorian for quite a long time now, like we're in the same spheres of the internet, I suppose, even though, yeah, we've only met like once, but I've known of them and known them, been mutuals with them for years. And they are basically like a pop star, but as I kind of say in the podcast, I call them like a, I think I call them a pop anthropologist. Pop anthropologist, yeah. <laughs> like they do a really great job of kind of just like analyzing current cultural trends and past cultural trends and the history of things through pop and pop culture and they're going to be talking about the fedora which is definitely an amazing obsession just because of like the breadth of Dorian's knowledge and also like the importance of like artifacts in political movements like either on the left or on the right yeah and even just the history of stuff, like why you like something and why you don't and where that's even come from in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So very excited for you all to hear this one. And here it is. Yay! Hey, Dorian. Hey, Dorian. Hey, how are y'all doing? Good, how are you? Great, just uh, over here surviving and yeah, excited to talk to you about my biggest obsession. Yeah, I'm so happy to see your face. It feels like a lovely, friendly face. <laughs> Thank you. Also, I love your blush. Thank Not you. Not that anyone else yeah, can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I had all these, I had all these uh, 
fedoras I was going to show y'all, but then I was like, oh yeah, this is a podcast. I, I'll have to just describe them in great detail. So, I mean, we've given the game away. You yeah, are going to be talking about fedoras. Whoops, the secret's out. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take it back to the beginning. Where did this obsession stem from? And kind of like, what's been your journey on your obsession with this very controversial headwear? Yeah, so I had a personal history with it I guess in the 2000s it was kind of a pop star headpiece Britney Spears actually wore it on her 2007 album cover Blackout I got really into Beck and then there's like some video or something where he's wearing it and I was like 14 years old and I like got this white fedora and I would like use it in all these pictures and all this stuff and um that was kind of my own personal history with it I just thought it was a really cool shaped hat my mom used to sell them at her store like when they were in fashion and I still have one that she sold like back in you know 2006 or something but then people started saying oh yeah you know this hat's like really uncool like oh you shouldn't wear that I started hearing a lot of negativity surrounding this particular hat and I was like really curious and there were definitely kids at my school that fit into the kind of trench coat fedora wearing like dragon shirt wearing archetype that we can get more into detail into my like fascination with in a bit but um I was just fascinated that people seem to hate this hat and that fascination was reawakened in me recently I love the history of fashion in general but this particular piece of headwear has such an interesting history when I started looking into it that there's just so much meaning behind so many objects in fashion, whether it comes from like military or it has some other social significance or it was an indicator of class or wealth or other things that are really important to understanding our history and our society. We live in a society. And I also just <laughs> it's good to remember. It's good to remember. And I also just happen <laughs> to love things sometimes that people hate or think are really uncool. And so I kind of you know, wanted to delve into that and um, reclaim this this hated fashion object that I've become obsessed with. So for anyone who maybe has been living under a rock for their entire lives, what is a fedora and why is it so hated? So a fedora is a kind of hat, usually felt, but it can also be like a more canvassy material, also straw. You can have even plastic fedoras like I know, I don't know if it's as much of a like UK thing, but in the US, people will wear plastic fedoras for New Year's Eve. Also, like yeah. bar bat mitzvahs, it's a you know classic. Like you get the neon fedoras. Basically, um, was the question why it's hated or what is it? Both. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's before I looked really into the history. The first thing that I thought of when I was thinking of fedoras was old Hollywood or even Indiana Jones you know, 1920s gangsters and the mob or, you know, kind of hearkening back to this previous era where everybody wore hats that was socially acceptable to wear a hat at all times when you left the house and especially for men in like the earlier part of the last century. And basically it kind of became co-opted in the mid 2000s back when they were in fashion again it became, well, actually, you know what? Should I just take us from the beginning? Because I think that would actually be the, the, the more interesting narrative. Okay. 
rather than yeah. jumping around, let's go right to the heart of it. So <laughs> this is amazing, by the way. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so this was something I actually did not know until fairly recently. And I was shocked to learn, but it's so crazy. The fedora, where the name comes from, is this, I think it's 1887 play that this actress, Sarah Bernhardt, starred in. And it was about a like headstrong Russian princess named Fedora Romanov. And the word Fedora actually comes from Greek, and it means a gift from God. It's like Theodoros wow. or some shit. And it means a gift from God. So when I found <laughs> that out, I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> people are like, this is like, this is Satan's hat. This is not a gift from God. Like it is out here. But uh, yeah, so Sarah Bernhardt was, was an interesting figure, was really known for wearing men's clothing and kind of being resistant to traditional gender roles. And she wore this felt like wide brimmed hat. It didn't really look like the fedoras that we know today, but it was very like revolutionary in that she was taking something that was traditionally like, you know, hats being like a more masculine uh, clothing staple, taking that and wearing that. And then it kind of became after that, that the play was really popular hats like that became adopted by like proto-feminists, early first wave feminism as a sign of resistance to gender roles. And so that's really crazy because that's like the opposite of what you think of when you think of a fedora. You think of like the misogynistic, like militant atheist type (laughs) um, that is lecturing you on Reddit about something. And <laughs> just think of Pepe the Frog. I don't even know why those two are in my head together. No, completely, because you know, I think because because it has to do with this association of this darker part of the internet where there's a lot of misogyny and hatred and self-loathing and incels and the manosphere and men's rights, you know, movement and all of those things are kind of the some of the more unsavory things that get lumped in with the Fedora associations today. And that's why people really hate it. It's like neckbeard, basically. It's like the Mountain Dew drinking, Dorito eating, which both of those are delicious, by the way. Uh, great. It's like, you know, <laughs> like the combo of those. It's like, oh, shit, I get, I get why it's a thing. Um, but um, yeah, so learning about that history really blew my mind because I was like, okay, that's crazy. Let me get my notes out too. I've been oh, studying wow. the fedora um let's see so yeah and then basically yeah after like you know the late 1800s and early 1900s then hats just were like common you know a common thing that you wore like it was just considered like you wear a coat you wear a hat that's like what you do would be really weird if like you didn't wear a hat and then in the 60s hat sales dropped people weren't wearing hats as much like the hippie movement long flowing hair you know, kind of like breaking with the traditions of their parents, baby boomers, that whole generation. Um, and then it kind of, the, the the fedora specifically, the one, like, as we know it, also had a revival with ska, which is interesting. And then, of course, that was like the 60s, and then also um, 70s, and then again, later in like 80s and 90s. And then there's an article I was reading that was kind of saying that like, the end of the era of the fedora in that context was kind of the same time as the like American ska and like commercialized American ska with like bands like No Doubt and stuff kind of taking that to like all right this is like as big as you can go with that and you know that was kind of the end of the fedora in that that like cultural context but 
basically you kind of had it fall out of fashion for a bit and then it sort of started coming back in like the mid 2000s just as like a normal option for men to wear when men's fashion started getting a little bit more casual where you'd see like a guy wearing like jeans and like you know those like do you remember the the advent of like the dress shoe sneaker I just like I don't know I think of the like the dress shoe sneaker from like <laughs> high school that was like yeah it was like guys being like yes like finally like we can start to be <laughs> casual we can be like we can wear the dress shoe sneaker to like some like grandma's event or whatever and and somehow still be cool and so yeah it was like the whole like vest over like a graphic tee with the yes the waistcoat and the t-shirt i'm like oof i'm not i don't know if i'm ready to bring that back but (laughs) you're not there yet (laughs) but at the same time whenever i I sense that in myself i'm like oof i'm not ready then i'm like i should probably explore that (laughs) (laughs) it's something that makes my skin crawl i'm like there's probably something there that's good yeah yeah Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so it was like that era and, um, it was more socially acceptable. And then also coinciding with, yeah, the like pop stars wearing fedoras. I, I've looked up pictures of like Paris Hilton, like Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears on her album cover, you know, all these like pop main pop girls and like a Fergie and like all these people of that kind of era wearing fedoras and it being this cool thing. And like, I don't know, hearkening back to like, just this it's a very American hat too. I think the way that Mm -hmm. we know it and yeah, I think it's just, it's had such like pop culture significance. So these things do tend to like go in, you know, a cyclical fashion and have revivals, but yeah. So when you can tell, by the way, you can tell how obsessed I actually am with the fedora. (laughs) Like like, it's legit, but um, I'm glad I get to actually nerd out on it for once. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, so the big, 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 big turning point for fedoras, as far as my research, uh, you know, has revealed, was around the mid-2000s when Neil Strauss wrote this book called The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. I'm gonna actually, yeah, I'm actually going to look up the year because I want to get that right. That was like peak when I was at uni, that book. You, oh actually. really? Let's find out the year in case I'm two thousand. Yeah, I know, like, should I not say that? You know, two thousand five, two thousand five. But yeah, no, that's a lie. Basically, yeah. lies. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I actually just think the reality is is that every lad at university gets into it. So I imagine every woman is like, yeah, when I was at uni, people just were buzzing about that book. No, totally. I mean, I think it. Yeah, it's it is a thing that I think when you, people get to that age and that there's some timeless thing about early twenties some guys getting into that book I think like I think that's actually very interesting though because I think that's also why certain things have like sustained and um but yeah the trend that we've seen over the past well how is how many years ago was 2005 my math is not the best 15 15 15. yeah so yeah so that book came out and it has all of these so for anyone that doesn't know what a pickup artist is basically it is somebody who studies these supposed techniques of how to pick up women to have sex with and often you know tips for getting attention in like a crowded nightclub 
some of them have to do with how to stand out. So this one technique is called peacocking that he talks about, which is wear something that could be a conversation starter. He said like a cowboy hat or a necklace or like, a, you know, an interesting shirt or whatever. And um, there was this one like pickup artist blog that had this really reblog tip that was like, this might sound like a difficult like tip to try if you're not you know, very confident in your fashion, but try a fedora. Like it's very classic. It, it's, it's classy, you know, without being outlandish and, and, but it's, uh, and it's masculine, but it's still flamboyant basically. And that got a lot of traction. And I think through that, it sort of became one of the go-to hats for people in like the pickup artist community, which has overlap with what's generally called the manosphere, which is kind of this broader movement that incorporates men's rights, which men's rights and the men's rights movement can mean anything from like, you know, men wanting to fight for equal custody of children or like um, other laws having to do with divorce and separation, as well as things like, I mean, I've seen like anti-circumcision stuff as well as kind of on, on the more negative or, you know, more misogynistic side, um, the idea of like, you know, kind of a mischaracterization of feminism being like, it's all about hating men and that like feminism is ruining our society, ruining Western civilization, as they like to say. As a lot of people like to say, not everybody, but a lot of, a lot of you see a lot of that and kind of overlapping <laughs> with like incel culture, which there's a lot of prevalent ideas that feminism has basically made women. What's the socially acceptable version of slutty? I'm trying to, oh, promiscuous. <laughs> Yeah, has made, but they also, but also, it's like has made turn women into total sluts. Is that idea, and that it has told them that you know it's acceptable to, as they say, like ride the cock carousel, the carousel of cocks, and just like throughout your throughout your (laughs) and then you look for a man that can provide you with money and a stable income, you know, in like your you know early thirties, and you settle down and whatever. Just this kind of really negative characterization of women's sexual freedom and like the you know, that that has been culturally fought for and is still being fought for to this day. But um, basically in the incel community, a lot of people pinpointing feminism as the reason they can't get laid. And then Mm -hmm. thus the incel, by the way, means involuntarily celibate. And Mm -hmm. it's a whole community of people online that are frustrated that they can't find a partner or find a like sexual or romantic partner and feel very lonely. And that is a super valid way to feel. But there's a portion of the internet that is basically taken to trying to rationalize this as a larger societal trend and saying things that like it's the decline of traditional values, it's the decline of marriage for people our age, it's the rise of feminism, the ri- even linking to things like the, you know, immigration mm-hmm. and how we don't have jobs because there are immigrants coming in and thus I don't have a job. So thus I can't be attractive to a woman. So it's a whole complex interconnected movement of economic conditions, like trends, socially, the internet, you know, all of these different factors coming together to kind of create this toxic community and the fedora being so strongly (laughs) associated with that community obviously people have negative connotations and associations for, you know, a a pretty good reason. Mm -hmm. And there was like this Tumblr called nice guys of OkCupid or something that was really popular. I don't think it doesn't exist anymore, but basically it would take 
collages of real profiles and i think some of it has like a mean tone to it in the sense that Mm -hmm. a lot of people like to mock these people who often are just lonely guys Mm -hmm. looking for somebody maybe a little misguided socially awkward some of them identifying as on the autism spectrum you know and i think that that has become you know a meme in a way that i don't want to see people be made fun of and that's why i like to like reclaim these things and like delve into the weird gray area of like ironies and insincerity with like donning a fedora but also these people were like critiqued and called out for a good reason so this okay cupid blog was basically a collage of weird statements from the person's okay cupid profile with like a guy with the fedora generally and you'd be like wow this is like a trend like i'm seeing this and it would oh you know, yeah i remember this yeah <laughs> you just like unlocked some memory yeah. vault in me <laughs> Google it though, it's super fascinating. Like, let me just look one up because it's like, uh. I also just then, as soon as you said Tumblr, I was like counting down from 10 for Ioni to have a flashback. <laughs> I was like, she's definitely seen it. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So I'm actually seeing some stuff that's like from 2012 and, and 2013, and that's when I was in college, and I remember this. So basically, it'd be like, picture i'll have to send this to you guys but it'd be like okay a picture and they're not always wearing fedoras but they often are and basically it's stuff like okay here okay cupid where they would ask like the questions and stuff and it's like here's one of the questions you're in a new relationship and your partner admits that they have had 14 sexual partners does that sound like a lot to you and then the person's and this guy's answer is yes and it makes me uncomfortable i'm sorry but 14 sexual partners you're a slut unless you were like in your 40s or like things like, do you have a problem with racist jokes? And this person says, no, they are jokes. Get over it. Or the uh, other, yeah, okay. yeah, the other this is going. exactly the other big one, the big, big, big one is saying there's a whole nice guy thing and being like, I'm a really nice yeah. guy and I always get friend zoned. The friend zone thing is huge and being like, I was always there for you. Like I like when all these jerks that you were dating would like dump you and you'd be sad. Like I'd be the one to take you out for ice cream and like you know, now you come to me for help kind of thing. Like, fuck you. Like you couldn't see me for the nice guy I am, you know? And I think a lot of people feeling like women only like jocks and rude chads and rude, like fucking douchebags and a nice guy like me, like will never get a woman. And so thinking (laughs) that like feeling like there's a contradiction in feminism where like women say they want men to treat them with respect, but then they go out and they date these jerks and people that treat them like shit. And I'm over here respecting them like a true lady that they are. And I'm (laughs) I'm a true gentleman. And like, why can't I get a girlfriend? And I mean, you know, there's some of what they're saying. Sure, there's valid critiques in that a lot of, I think it has to do with, you know, like there are valid critiques of the kind of like player kind of guy that like some people are really drawn to and how that doesn't ultimately maybe make them happy. But like, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we are told that like that is the kind of person that you know, you're supposed to be chasing or whatever. There's valid critiques in that. But I think the main thing is that it ends up where women get the blame yeah. and these men feel like they've done nothing wrong. So I think that is the heart of the negative connotation of fedoras and why we haven't seen like a huge comeback in them since the, you know, mid to whatever you call the teens of the 2000s. I don't know. I forgot what you call those, but mm-hmm. um, 2010s basically. And yeah, that's kind of the main historical overview. Wow. Friggin' hell. Lovely. Loved it. And a bridge <laughs> history. So I was speaking because you had your new single come out last week with Rebecca Black. And I was speaking to my friend about it. 
and we were kind of talking about it and like me and Olivia have spoken about something similar on a recent podcast we did where the right is very quick to like adopt imagery and reappropriate imagery phrases and words from the left but often that doesn't really happen the other way around and what my friend was saying is that that is kind of what you do like you adopt these symbols to like critique basically how I would think of you as maybe like a pop anthropologist I don't know <laughs> like hearing you say everything like in and the way you know all this history but why is that interesting to you I suppose and like how do you toe this line between yeah exploring something without then getting dragged into that culture in a way that you don't want to be if that makes sense totally yeah I mean I think what you said is just so important about us on the left reclaiming and critiquing and reappropriating imagery and memes and language from the right. And especially when it comes to this concept of edginess, like my last single called Edgelord, you know, mm. like the classic definition of an edgelord is somebody who just says heinous, horrible, offensive things just to get a rise out of people. And it's a little bit ambiguous as to like whether they are actually a Nazi, if they're like, you know, copy pasting a swastika over and over again in like a queer Zoom parties chat, you know, like I feel like I saw a ton of that at the beginning of quarantine, especially, and yeah. it really was bringing all that stuff to mind for me. And, you know, it's like, oh, but like, is it sincere? Is it, is it just a joke? Are they just trying to do it to get a rise out of people? Because some people definitely have like a fascination with just getting attention yeah. or getting like, you know, this shock value, but also under the cloak of anonymity, which the internet obviously provides to so many people. And this concept of edginess and that people on the right, I mean, I don't agree with it, but a lot of people feel like the left just wants to police everything you say. Everything mm -hmm. is about political correctness. You can't make any jokes anymore. Nothing's funny. Um, you can't say anything without getting canceled. You know, that's how they kind of frame the current culture wars that we're yeah. in right now. And that the more the left does to try to be more inclusive with language or, you know, calling things out that it is, which is great. And then also you have to look at the reality of how people are also being pushed away by that and further radicalized to the right. And yeah. it's something that it took me a while to see that and to recognize that because I was like, how could this, this movement is so good of like, you know, being so much more aware of like language and culture and privilege and all these things are really good for society. But I think we do need a reality check of looking at when you're not just preaching to the choir, people that already agree with you, how is it affecting the rest of the political conversation? And right now, and especially with Donald Trump being the poster person for this kind of saying things you're not supposed to say, you know, saying mm -hmm. offensive, racist, sexist, ableist comments out in the open and people on the left, you know, showing those images over and over again to be like, you know, before he was elected, like, we can't have this person in office. Like, look at these like horrible things that he said or these jokes that he made, but that not mattering to people on, you know, the other side of the spectrum who didn't care about that when it really comes down to, a lot of people think, well, he's going to do better for like my job, you know, like keeping my job or mm -hmm. not, you know, like cutting taxes and you know, or cutting taxes and not, you know, taking my guns and gold and those kind of things, as well as like people not caring or people actively liking the fact that he's going against what they feel is the quote unquote mainstream liberal media mm -hmm. and feeling like he's a hero for that, you know? And I feel like on the left, we have been traditionally the 
like keepers of edginess and going against the status quo culturally and like giving the middle finger to social norms. And we've in the last like decade or so started to see a shift in at least the narrative that people on the right are trying to put forward, which is that the left are like basically like laying like gram, you know, people say like grammar Nazi or something or mm, some right. language police and these things that they feel like, you know, it's about free speech, like, you know, protesting, like if like a, uh, speakers come to campus that they don't agree with or that hold hateful views or whatever, and being like, this is an issue of free speech. And like the left wants to shut down free speech. And there's all this stuff that I think underlies like the culture wars that we are currently in, where I think we on the left, in order to accomplish our goals of inclusivity and like protecting and uplifting oppressed and marginalized people, we have to recognize like not only people that agree with us and pay attention to those ideas, <clears throat> but also look at the broader spectrum of what's going on with the people that actively disagree with us and how our ideas and the way we're communicating our ideas are affecting them and maybe sometimes further radicalizing people to the right. Cause that divide I think has been, has been growing more and more as we're seeing like wealth inequality and other things that play into that, you know, but back to the, like taking the imagery and stuff away. I mean, I think that the craziest thing for me is seeing how the internet has been such a huge part in this recent wave of new conservatism on the right that is not just mm -hmm. the old conservatism of, oh, it's just somebody who's like, you know, out in a rural area and, you know, religious and, you know, concerned with like keeping their guns and like all that kind of narrative that I gave that was more of the like, why people are electing like George Bush or something, you know? But it's actually people that millennials, same level of education, you know, same socioeconomic, you know, like grouping that are just through the internet becoming radicalized to the far right, the alt right, and super dangerous areas of white supremacy. And these people are also, yeah, you know, not going away and we have to figure out how to combat this super hateful toxic ideology and so much of it is shrouded in irony and like oh like it's just a joke and stuff with the like really hateful you know speech but it's something that is such a they use that as such a powerful defense of like you look like an mm -hmm. idiot you really think I'm a Nazi like because I'm like putting squats all over something like you're a fucking idiot like you really think that yeah. like that's fucking stupid and then it's like, but wait, didn't you just talk about like how we should like also be like restricting immigration and how like people we should like that the, like, like white people are being like replaced and, you know, that are in danger of becoming a minority in the U.S. and Other like really toxic like things that people fixate on on the right and that are really rooted in, in white supremacy, but passed off as as something else. It has all these yeah. different ways you know they call it like some people call it race realism or white identitarianism that's like the richard spencer kind of brand of white supremacy and white nationalism and it's as those ideas are gaining traction that's when we have to start worrying about yeah. things we you know it's a real problem that we really can't ignore and i feel like yeah it's there's just to me if somebody could come across my work and they see something because they're drawn to it because of a meme, like me using the Joker meme or like the, you know, the fedora tipping or something like that. And there's somebody that kind of is on the fence, you know, politically or personally, and they might spend time in those areas of the internet 
on like Reddit or 4chan or whatever versus, you know, more like liberal areas of the internet, you know, they, they would come across my work. And if it, if it, if it even raises some question in their mind that helps them have a different perspective or question something in a more broad way, that would be a win for me, you know, just to open up mm-hmm. somebody's mind in some way. And I feel like I've heard all these amazing like podcasts and stories about people that have like come across somebody's uh, videos like ContraPoints or somebody on YouTube who is a yeah. leftist, but who actually engages in like debating those ideas on the right. And rather than just saying, oh, they're crazy or stupid, you know, and thus actually has a chance at changing people's minds. And, she, you know, she's also trans yeah. and also just by the nature of like who she is, I think, you know, helping open people's minds that, you know, they may have never encountered a trans person in their life, you know, and in, in, in IRL. And it's, um, I think it's just our responsibility to try to communicate to as many people as possible. And I think part of the co-opting of the aesthetics and using those in a way that's both humorous and surface level meme but also very deep and very yeah. political at the end of the day, I think is what I find so fascinating about the recent stuff that I've been trying to do and that I've just become obsessed with. And Fedora is being a huge, a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, looking at something like a meme or an object of clothing, it really can have a really rich political history and meaning. And I think that that to me makes music and art just so much more interesting and impactful. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, that was bloody great. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And unfortunately for the listeners, we turned off the mics and chatted for like an extra 45 <laughs> minutes. Like, to the point where there's people <laughs> in my room and I was in the dark like, yeah, and, yeah, and. <laughs> yeah, I could have literally chatted to Dorian all day. So thank you so much for coming on, Dorian. Yeah, thank you so much. Coming up this week on Thursday, we have the penultimate episode of Skin You're In, which is a really exciting one with Shelby Lawman who runs award for awards for good boys so i feel like yeah it's definitely a good like partnership to have these two podcasts coming out concurrently concurrently whatever 
Um, so yeah, make sure you listen to that one. And we'll see you Thursday. Or we'll hear you Thursday. Yeah. Or you'll hear us on Thursday. Well, before you bog off, Olivia, <laughs> thank you to Olivia. Thank you to Ione. And thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Dorian. Thank you to Gina and Carlin. And Clarissa and Naya. And Clarissa and Naya. And other Gina. I mean, not other Gina. Gina Tonic. <laughs> and um, Hattie. And and everyone thank you so much bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.